morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Mario, also known as the Node Defender, joining us. Gonzo, aka Super G, and Jackie the Crypto Juggernaut is in the building, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Ripple is more confident than ever in their case against the SEC. After new details reveal, it will be nearly impossible to prove XRP is operating as a security. Fed Chair Jerome Powell confirms his team is working on a United States CBDC, letting Americans know a rollout could come as soon as this year, as JP Morgan is cutting ties with Gemini, leaving these Facebook twins in the dust. President Biden is applying to change some tax policies in the USA, potentially bringing a 40% capital gains tax to the American public. As big banks are finally entering this market, we break down the details, showing our community how top 20 projects could be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Mario, I'm, it is 11-11 and the past two times we've had you on, the elites have kicked you off at that time. So I'm happy you're here, my friend. How you feeling? And I'm happy to be here. Let's see if we get if we get the th- uh, same thing happening the third time in a row. But I hope not. Sending everybody love out there. Happy to be here. Nice to see you, Gonzo. Nice to see you, Jackie. And of course, Avs. Always happy to have you, Mario. Gonzo, aka Super G, coming in last second on the episode. Always happy to have you on the show, my friend. How you feeling this morning? I'm feeling great. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's nice to see Mario and Jackie because I feel like it's been a while since we've been on the show together. So covering uh, for Johnny for a little bit. So I'll stay as long as I can. But yeah, man, just super excited. Anytime I can be here with you guys is just awesome. Jackie, they're calling us the Brandy Bunch of Crypto. And I think that would make you the mom. So congratulations there. How are you feeling, Jackie? And thank you for being here this morning. Oh, man, I am not at that stage in life yet. <laughs> um, I'm feeling great. I meant sister. I meant sister. I'll be the sister. <laughs> no, um, feeling good, guys. I do. I love my fam. So good to see everyone. I, Man, this like week in between, it, it feels too long. I'm going to have to jump in here on, on Mondays or something and kick someone else off. Absolutely. And you know who I think you should kick off? The man who decided not to show up today, guys. But we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's a joke for Johnny Crypto, by the way. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Guys, we broke 3,000 followers yesterday. So thank you for following our team. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is sitting in neutral this morning at a 44, Mario. And for good reason, because the day it's red across the board, we've got Clay up about 8%. Filecoin is up 5%. But besides that, mostly red. When we check out the total coin market cap, we are back below $1 trillion this morning, sitting at $995 billion. Bitcoin is at 42% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin is sitting at $21,600. Ethereum, $1,500. XRP is $0.39. Cents. And I think it's important to note, XRP getting a little decoupling from the market this morning, the only one who's in the green. Cardano is $0.31. Cents. Avalanche is $15. And we'll scroll down to Quant Network sitting at one fifteen. Now, Mario, the title of the episode is focused on XRP. But before we dive into that, I'd love to hear some of the things that you're watching, and then we'll dive into our news. Well, watching a few of the projects, certainly XRP is, is, like you said, starting to look like it's decoupling from the market. We're seeing right across the board. If we look at those little charts next to the uh, next to the coins, we see like a downtrend in red. The XRP is the complete opposite. That's very interesting. I'm very interested to see what happens with XRP. But as far as the rest of the market, 
you know, right on time with that full moon. Uh, last night, the full moon was almost that's the same color as those prices, you know, turning red. But um, keeping an eye on some of the same stuff that I've been into. So um, uh, I'm still dollar cost averaging into AVAX, um, dollar cost averaging into Cardano, um, dollar cost averaging into uh, Gala as well. So at these prices, as we're, as we're, we're starting to uh, uh, backtrace a little bit on the price action, that's when it starts to make sense to do some dollar cost averaging. I've just been sitting on the sideline over the, the past few weeks. So I'm happy I did because we're finally getting a little bit of a pullback. Absolutely, Mario. And one of the projects that's been at the forefront of my attention is HBAR. And we got some very positive news this morning. They put out a list of their governing council members. And Gonzo, this list speaks for itself. We've got Dell, Google, Boeing, and several other big names on this list. But one that sticks out to me in the top right, that would be Chainlink, also working with the HBAR Foundation. So I'd love to hear from you and Jackie Gonzo. Gonzo, let's start with you. How do you feel about HBAR? Is this a project you feel is worth watching? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you see uh, their governance council and not only is it the most decentralized, but it, they're all leaders of industry. So, you know, I think HBAR is going to have its place. Uh, you know, I, I dollar cost average when I get below a certain, you know, my entry price and then I stake it with the validator. I actually have it on LG. If you go to a uh, hash pack, you can pick any of the different validators that they have uh, and then you can stake it. it. I think it's a little bit uh, safer than like, you know, staking um, with, uh, your normal kind of staking and stuff. But um, yeah, you know, I, but I'm still, you know, watching Bitcoin, like we're, we're at a, a, a serious support level right now, like that 21.6 to 21.3, um, you know, it's very strong support. It was resistance. We hit it twice and then we back tested it as support. Now we're hitting it again. So if we lose that 21.3 level, then I think we're coming down anywhere between 18.5 and 19.2. Right. And then of course that'll, um, That'll affect the altcoins and they'll bleed out. So definitely I can see some opportunities to dollar cost average. Like we've already said, XRP is doing well. I think Filecoin's doing well because they're launching their own blockchain. And so you're going to get a little bit of hype as we go into next week. I think that goes live. And so we might get a little bit of price appreciation in that. Definitely, Gonzo. And Jackie, I'd love to get some thoughts from you as well. The first thing we're going to dive into for today is the 57-page ruling that Judge Torres released, specifically talking about Ripple and the SEC. But before we get into that, I'd like to get some of your thoughts. I know that Gemini is distancing themselves from JP Morgan, so I'm going to give you a little curveball this morning. What is your opinion on all these big banks finally deciding that it now is the time to get into crypto, while Gary Gensler is telling many of these crypto firms to get out of the United States? Oh, man, this is something that we've been talking about for a while. And these, you know, these banks, um, they've been they've been getting into crypto for for quite a while. We're just starting now to hear about it. So the things that kind of went down with Kraken, um, Gemini, um, Silvergate, you know, over these past couple of days, uh, really interesting to see because that's something that we've been talking about. You know, a lot of these um, some a lot of these exchanges uh we've been talking about becoming banks and so now we're starting to see that uh just kind of the stuff that happened with gemini silvergate um you know i think that was kind of expected i mean it's it's now that the you know now that the cat's out of the bag it's good to kind of continue to clean up the um contagion that happened you know with fdx but you know, now that we're starting to see all of that stuff come to fruition, um, we're starting to see the rollout, you know, Kraken had, and we'll get further into this, you know, but Kraken had that, the case with the SEC. And now we're starting to see that a lot of these, these exchanges are becoming their own banks. And a lot of these other banks are, you know, wanting to custody, um, custody our crypto and things like that. So everything's, everything's kind of rolling out the way that we've talked about the way that coach G 
JV has talked about on his channel. So kind of kind of crazy to see. It's really is. JV's been ahead of the ball calling for this regulation since 2020. But guys, we're about to dive into our Ripple content. And first, we got 266 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, before we go into our Twitter thread, I want to get some overall thoughts about this. U.S. President Biden is calling to double capital gains tax from 20% to 40% in the United States. And for anyone who doesn't know what capital gains is, that means if you buy a product, make a profit and sell it within 12 months. So what Biden is basically saying is if you are correct on an investment, the government wants a 40% cut of your profit and they don't have to put up any risk. So I'd like to get some thoughts from you. Is this something we could ever see in the United States? You know, uh, I'm not going to say any, you know, anything's possible in the matrix. This is the same thing where they wanted to tax unrealized gain. We saw it before. Um, I don't think it'll go anywhere, um, but it's something definitely to pay attention to. Uh, but like, you know, anything that he does is, at this point is just like a, a total joke. Like if you see the way that he talks and I'm not talking left or right, I mean, just observing him, it's embarrassing, right? Like when you talk about the president of the United States and what that means and what that signifies, you hear him talk and he seems like somebody that has dementia, right? And so, um, yeah, something definitely to keep an eye on, but I, I don't think it'll go anywhere. I think we'll have a, enough resistance to fight that, but you know, you never know. I think this is kind of, you know, kind of to tack onto what Gonzo's saying. Um, we see this, we see this in the markets, the emotional, you know, the emotional play when articles start to be pushed out and, you know, fed starts to, to hint at harsher tax rates and things like that. So um, this is actually a time like I'm, I'm in agreement with Mario. This might be a time to kind of start to accumulate. Um, you know, we've got we've got a back test with Bitcoin uh, back down to a support level. So some of those altcoins that you guys are looking at, I would dollar cost average into. This is kind of a good zone um, just because you start to see that like it's an emotional play. People, you know, we see a lot of articles, a lot of stuff to scare. Um, I'm waiting to see, you know, China ban ban crypto one more time before <laughs> before we get a bounce up like the next day. I mean, that's happened over and over and over again. So those are the types of articles that we tend to see um, to scare the masses, but it ends up being um, a good play in the opposite direction. And to no surprise at all, Jackie, while the, the, the central governments are pushing central bank digital currencies, they're criticizing decentralized currencies. And Jerome Powell said something very powerful yesterday stating that cryptocurrencies would certainly go to zero if the United States decided to launch a CBDC. Now, why is this so important? After we play this 20-second clip, it very much speaks for itself because currently they are working on a CBDC and are going to launch it. So we'll discuss the implications. Here we go. You know, a CBDC, I think you're asking whether, whether a CBDC would serve some of that. But a CD, CBDC is going to be years in the evaluation. And, you know, uh, I think we can get this into the hands of the public very quickly. And I think we'll have real-time payments in this country very, very soon. So, Mario, what he said there is it's going to take a long time to perfect the product. But when you can expect a CBDC, in my eyes, I think we'll see some product by the end of 2023. And Jerome Powell said it himself. When they launch this product, they're anticipating cryptocurrencies to go to zero. So you can explain this to me. Why do you believe Jerome Powell thinks this is an imminent threat to decentralized currencies? In my opinion, this would give us more reason to buy things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other decentralized ecosystems. 
Yeah, definitely. I don't agree with that with that statement because Gallo's ecosystem is still going to be Gallo's ecosystem even if they come out with a CBDC, right? And HBAR's ecosystem with all of those companies that we know are successful and if they're in their uh, in their uh, advisory board, then you know it, it's for a reason. So that's still going to be that ecosystem and it uses that particular cryptocurrency. So I don't agree with that statement at all. It's kind of broad to say that. But as far as what Jerome Powell said about CBDCs, yeah, absolutely. We know that that's coming. Uh, we know that it's most likely going to happen sooner rather than later, but the full adoption obviously is going to take time. You know, it's going to take time for those cash-only people to let go of their cash and and move on to a, and move on to a CBDC unless forced to, right? Because they could totally just, hey, look, guys, no more cash. You now have to start using your credit card or your debit card, which is going to be tied obviously to a CBDC. But my gut feeling tells me that they're not going to pull cash out of the system that quickly. It is going to be. It is going to happen. Definitely, I agree with it. But I think it's going to be something that's going to happen over time. Absolutely. You know, oh, your floor is yours, my friend. Oh no, I was just going to say. You know, you know what it feels like, Abs. It feels like we're starting to reach this point of like max fud with everything that's going on, right? And just keep in mind that this thing is not a sprint; it's a marathon. And it's those people that stay involved. We say this all the time: time in the market. It's the people that stay in the market that do their research, that invest in real quality projects that have real world solving utility, um, that dollar cost average when everyone is leaving, when there's max FUD, that cryptocurrency is going to zero, that you build these positions that when we go into the next bull run and we will go into a next bull run, right? We see this every cycle where it's a certain narrative and whether it's crypto going to zero or it's gonna get regulated out of existence, whatever that is, we find that it's those people that stayed involved and that built positions that do extremely well in the next bull run. Absolutely, Gonzo. And right before we dive into this Twitter thread, just to build on your point there, check out this 13-year price chart from Bitcoin right now. And as you can see, all of these bull and bear markets look extremely small when you zoom out. That's exactly what we're going through now. We've touched this 13-year trend line, and now we're moving back up after the FTX collapse. So I think that only adds to the validation of what you just said. But guys, we got 351 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And somebody said, is this clickbait? Absolutely not. And we're going to explain why Ripple is in a better position than it's ever been before. So this new Twitter thread was released yesterday by a man known as MetaLaw. He said, I just finished reading Judge Torres' 57-page ruling against the SEC and Ripple. As a trial lawyer who handled a number of security cases in New York, I had five key takeaways from the judge's statements. The first, the judge rulings on admissibility and legally sound unlikely to be disrupted on appeal. So basically, I'm going to skip through the first two tweets and go right down to number four. The judge overruled that the SEC's objections to te expert testimony. What this means is that Ripple is going to be allowed to keep all of their key witnesses within the case. These witnesses include one person who's going to be explaining how XRP should not be treated as a security under IRS code, another person who's going to explain how XRP could be treated separately under the generally accepted counting principles, which I'm not smart enough to understand, and how XRP has commercial utility in a number of use cases. And Mario, I'd love to start with you, but it reminds me of the tweet that we saw from Judge Torres a couple of weeks ago where she said, it might not be relevant to the issue, but it's important for me to understand. My understanding of XRP is that not only does it have a currency value, but it also has a utility. And I think that utility distinguishes it from Bitcoin and Ethereum. Is that correct, Gary Gensler? Mario, I'd love to get some thoughts from you because we're painting the broad picture here, right? No one's going to come out and tell us that Ripple's going to win this lawsuit. But if they can't fulfill all prongs of the Howey test, 
then there's no way the SEC can win without a settlement. So big statements here. I'd love to give you the open floor and we'll kick it around the group. What do you think about Judge Torres' statements as well as the Twitter thread, Ripple getting to keep almost all of their key witnesses? Yeah, look, things look more and more like incredibly good for, for Ripple. Like it just keeps getting better every single time that there's an update about this case. And there's a part of me that can't help but wonder that it's kind of too good to be true, you know, but ultimately I just want the best result in which it, it affects the market positively. You know, I don't want a result where um, it benefits just XRP because although that would be amazing for, for our portfolios. Right. But I think that we need a clarity in, in the entire crypto space so that the entire crypto space can continue to thrive within the United States. And there is no doubt that XRP has commercial utility. There's tons of companies out there, especially in Asia and South America, that are using it for cross-border transactions, you know, payments. So definitely, it's it's most likely going to be what we keep addressing all the time and what a lot of people think that it's it's going to be considered a security in which uh, the way that Ripple sold it in the beginning, the way that it was offered in the market, but in its current form, it is definitely not a security. Gary Gensler seems to uh, disagree, and I know that he's probably going to be there in the chat disagreeing with me, but hey, man, it is what it is. Jackie, that's not the only good news we got for today, as Bitcoin and Ethereum's pairing seems to be getting a breakout for the first time since mid-2022, and this chart speaks for itself Every time we break above these long-term trend lines, it's very positive for XRP. And to no coincidence, we said it at the beginning of the episode, this whole market's going down. And for some reason, XRP is getting a little bullish momentum. So I'd like to go back to Judge Torres' statements. How do you feel that she was asking these important questions? Because she's indicating XRP is operating as even more than a currency. Yeah, I feel like I love that chart. Um, actually, XRP is kind of hard uh, to to determine just because of the rapid movements that it has. Um, but, you know, kind of seeing in the past, we break up out of the um, the the resistance, come back down, test the support, and then it has a rapid movement. That'd be awesome to see uh, based upon this chart. I, in my opinion, though, I kind of, um, kind of the things that are going on right now with the case, um, I think, it, you know, it's kind of doing the same thing. I mean, if you take it from, from, that perspective, it, it's kind of coming to the the end point, right? I was actually talking to Coach JV yesterday, and I I was just like, hey, like, what's what's kind of your opinion about when this case will get settled? And he was thinking sometime during the summer. Um, again, guys, that's you know, we were just kind of talking. I was just kind of picking his brain. So don't don't take that um, in all seriousness. But he is very knowing, so maybe take that in all seriousness. But. Um, yeah, you, you, you're starting to see that with this case, too. You know, we're getting more and more um, leaks of things coming out and and the judge is starting to side uh, one way or the other. So it is, you know, it's cool to kind of see that. I imagine that, I mean, this is just my opinion, too. I imagine it might be something similar to like what happened with Kraken. You know, the SEC went after Kraken. Now, you know, Kraken paid their fine. Now they're they're becoming a bank, right? So I imagine that's just kind of the same thing that's going to happen with Ripple. Um, they, they're coming after Ripple. They're going to pay some sort of fine, and they're still going to stay relevant with the technology that they are um, instituting. And we're seeing that kind of come into play uh, as well with, with how things are going with banks. Banks are going to, you know, kind of go out on a ledge and, and create their own technology to put out these CBDCs and, and create this infrastructure for the new financial system. But there are going to be uh, 
companies that stay relevant, just like Ripple, that banks are going to, you know, just pass off the buck to use uh, because they don't want to create the new technology. Why would you reinvent the wheel if someone's already, you know, way, way ahead of you on that point? So Ripple will continue to stay relevant and, and assist in that type of technology and creation. Thank you, Jackie. And we got 360 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, check out this latest update because we had a conversation before the show. And I do believe this is how the SEC is going to get a resolution in this case. So SEC Jerry Gensler says every crypto other than Bitcoin is currently operating as a security. But the SEC FinHub said that uh, said today at the CFTC meeting that most crypto assets are offered and sold as securities. This may seem like a small difference, but it's a huge difference in regulatory implications. And it reminds me of the library case from just a couple of weeks ago. Initial sales of XRP could very likely have been considered an unregistered security. But nearly 12 months after that initial ICO, it was operating as a commodity. It was being used as a currency to transfer value. And that's just one of the utilities that it has. So Gonzo, do you believe this could be a resolution for the Ripple case? Initial offerings are a security. Everything beyond that is something else. Yeah, definitely. We've talked about this before where anything can be a security. It's all in how it's packaged, right? And we know that, you know, we've got 22,000 cryptos. And if you look at a lot of them, a lot of them were rolled out as securities, but over time they've changed their form, right? And so it does seem like the judge, Judge Torres, is starting to strip everything down and really focus. So the SEC's lost that whole thing about the expectation of profit and we're really focusing down to what do they have left? They have the investment contract thing left, and then they have the common enterprise that they can argue, right? But bottom line is this, is we feel that Ripple's gonna win, but regardless of whether Ripple wins or the SEC wins, really what we care about is like what happened in the library case, is that even if they lose, if they say that secondary sales are not a security, that's a win for us because we're all invested in XRP. So we win if Ripple wins, and if Ripple loses and we get that clarification, we still win, right? And it seems like that's kind of where we're heading, um, some type of resolution. Hopefully we get some kind of uh, where uh, we don't go to the, to the, uh, to the, uh, to the trial, because that'll be like the summer, right? Uh, if it goes to trial and we get the resolution here in the next uh, you know, few weeks or something, but we'll see how it plays out. And Mario, I love these statements here. Mr. Meta Law here, or, or Meta Lawman, sorry, said, bottom line, as I see it, these rulings were a net positive for Ripple as well as XRP holders. Does this necessarily mean that Ripple will win the case on summary judgment? No, but I do think these rulings will make summary judgment win for the SEC extremely unlikely. And that's why I titled the episode the way it did. If they are not able to fulfill all four prongs of the Howey test, they have to settle. There's no way they can outright win this case, especially from a summary judgment. So Mario, just to close this out before we continue, what do you think about these statements here? Obviously, Ripple's getting put in a positive position. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I, I think the problem is the fact that because it is the SEC, they're not going to want to look bad. And obviously, they're not going to take that loss. And so things are going to happen in a way where it will most likely be a settlement. And as long as that settlement dictates that xrp in its current form is not a security and that kind of sets precedent for the remainder of the crypto space i think that's a huge win and uh i think that's probably one of the best turnouts of this of this uh sec versus ripple lawsuit 
And look at this statement here, Gonzo. It says the judge sustained Ripple's objection to expert testimony that the SEC wants to offer about the intentions of XRP holders. The XRP community did not purchase XRP because of expectations from Ripple. And that's what the SEC said they're not allowed to prove within this case. This is a massive setback for the SEC because the reasonable expectations of purchasers is a component of the Howey test. And for defining an investment contract, Gonzo, it's music to my ears. I'm almost out of breath again, and I'm not sure why. But it is so important to know that the SEC has already stated they cannot prove in court that XRP holders had the intention of profiting off of Ripple's work. And the judge just confirmed that. So very positive sign. How are you reacting to that news? Yeah, like I said, I mean, it's definitely, it feels like she's stripping away the nonsense and just getting down to the nitty gritty. I said that last time. Um, and it just feels like there's this air of whether it's the Ripple and SEC case or you see what's going on with BlackRock and their opening statements. It feels like that judge also kind of gave the SEC a loss, right? Because of the whole thing with the GBTC being uh, turned over to a spot ETF. Um, and so it seems like we're coming up on the SEC is about to take um, two serious L's. Um, and, and I think overall, that'll be a good thing, you know, for the crypto market. A hundred percent, guys. And we're going to play this short clip of Brad Garlinghouse discussing what could happen if we don't get regulation under control in the United States. Only about a 30 second clip here and we'll follow it up with some Gary Gensler quotes. Here we go. Benefit industry. Is what I'm hearing from you essentially, if the U.S. doesn't get its act together and move more quickly, all of this is going offshore. It's just going elsewhere. Well, it already is. I mean, the, the sad reality is that the U.S. really is already behind. You know, this is not behind countries that we haven't necessarily heard of. This is behind Australia and behind the UK, Japan, Singapore, Switzerland. There's a lot of countries that have taken the time and thoughtfulness to create that clear rules of the road. It, by contrast, when I first got involved in the tech industry in the late 90s, some were saying the internet should be banned. They were saying that here's how the internet is being used for illicit purposes. But the U.S. government said, no, 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 we're going to create a framework. And that allowed entrepreneurs, that allowed investors to come in and look at the benefits to the United States on a geopolitical basis mm -hmm. to have the Amazons and Googles based in headquarters in the United States. We're at, I think, severe risk of having that not happen in this next evolution of technology around blockchain and crypto. And Jackie, the biggest concerning, the biggest concern I hear when I read these quotes is the fact that Gary Gensler responded to this by saying, he doesn't really care. His job is to protect investors and he doesn't care. If you don't want to come in and comply with the SEC, you're better off leaving the United States. And while I look for that article, I'd like to get some statements from you. What do you think about Gary Gensler stating he doesn't care if crypto companies leave because they're operating illegally? Yeah, Gary only cares about himself. Uh, that's been evident for a long time. But, you know, that that hurts us on the back end, right? Um, it's kind of simple and clear to see that, you know, even though he comes out front and says, um, you know, I care about the individual investor and I'm here to protect them, right? A lot of a lot of people might believe that if they're not, you know, um, up to date on what's actually going on. But, you know, on the back end, that allows for other countries to, to get massively ahead of the United States. And then, um, you know, we suffer in the long run. So, yeah, it's it it's not smart at all. It's it's kind of a a, a silly move, um, just just in the current reality of things. And it's definitely short-sighted with the comparison that Brad made to the internet. If every single big bank under under United States jurisdiction is already working in blockchain, 
Why would we be pushing that technology out of our country? There's no logical explanation as to why it's better to push this technology overseas as opposed to creating a framework to operate legally in the United States. But let's dive into some quotes from Gary Gensler here. As Wall Street's top cop on the beat slammed the crypto business for refusing to get in line even after its crackdown by regulators. Gary Gensler said, we lose more if investors get harmed here as opposed to them leaving the United States. It's a basic bargain in finance. If you want to raise money from the public, you need to disclose certain facts and figures. Well, the problem is, Gary, you haven't ex- you haven't explained how to do that correctly. So the SEC has announced lawsuits that force settlements with big companies like Genesis, Global Capital, Gemini Trust, and Kraken from just a couple of weeks ago. As Europe moves into new rules for digital assets, U.S. lawmakers remain locked in a stalemate over the need for new regulations. The House of Republicans are ramping up oversight of this crypto enforcement actions by to planning to scrutinize Gary Gensler's every move. He's also getting additional press, uh, pressure from Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's uh, telling Gary Gensler to continue to clap down on crypto regardless of the implications. Now, a couple big things I wanted to read within this article. Gary Gensler claims the path to compliance is clear. He states that firms in some regard have generally been operating outside of those parameters and securities laws already apply to digital asset businesses in the United States. He even went as far to say that Congress should not pass new laws because currently the SEC already has control. Top firms like Coinbase and Ripple have registered those claims or sorry, have resisted those claims and have lobbied lawmakers and regulators to create new frameworks for the crypto industry. And we've been playing quotes throughout the week of uh, Coinbase's CEO on Bloomberg discussing how JP Morgan, Visa, and several other billion-dollar companies have already approached Coinbase. The last quote that I think is most relevant within this article is that Gary says AI is going to be more impactful than cryptocurrencies. I believe they're one and the same, but his quote is, there's much more transformative technology happening right now in data and analytics. Everything underlying artificial intelligence is going to come to the forefront And Elon Musk reiterated those statements as well. So Gonzo, I'd love to get some thoughts from you. There's a lot within that article, but broad story, long story short, Gary Gensler doesn't care who leaves the United States. They only care if you're complying with securities laws. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I think it's a miscalculation on his part, but it's a total joke, right? He says that he's there to protect investors, but where has he been? All we've seen him do is actually sue companies that are legitimate and that are trying to do things the wrong right way. We've already heard from Coinbase, from Ripple, that there is no path, right? That he makes it seem like there's a form that you can fill out and that it's all good, right? But so he sues companies that are doing things the right way, but he totally misses the boat on Celsius, which was ended up being a total fraud. FTX, he's meeting with them, ended up being a total fraud. Those were the two big things that hurt investors. And he continues to show that, right? We saw this right now, if it wasn't for the judge on the U.S., Uh, or Binance.us trying to buy Voyager, you had the SEC, again, trying to get in the way of that. And that's to help investors. They're going to get about 73% of their stuff back, but they were trying to get in the way of that. So thank God we had a common sense judge that said, no, we're not going to do that and put a stop to it. So time and time again, you see that they're not there to protect investors. What he's there to protect is traditional finance, right? And the only reason I can see him making that comment is because he already knows that he's waiting for his Trad5 guys to get their hooks into this stuff. And then he's going to kind of change his sentiment. And then he's going to let this thing run 
so that they can make money, right? That's the only thing I can think of. But he's absolutely not there to protect investors. And in some more positive news, Gonzo, this SEC could not shut down uh, Binance acquiring Voyager as Binance U.S. Arm is moving forward with plans to acquire Voyager for $1.3 billion worth of assets. And Gonzo said it himself, 70% of people are set to receive their money back. For every $10 lost, all of it's gone right now. Seven could be returned. And the SEC claim in came in trying to protect investors, stating this shouldn't go through because Binance is selling unregistered securities. So they should be sued instead. It's very interesting. The same people they're trying to protect are the ones they're hurting in most of these cases. Jackie, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, when they're actually trying to help out investors and, and get their money back to them, you know, no, you can't do that. Um, that's not allowed. You're selling a security. So just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I had to laugh too at Gary's you know, final quote in that last article saying there's much more technology and AI and, and data analytics. And it's like, dude, what a cop out statement um, to push it away from the actual, you know, cause and case of what your what your purpose is and authority is, you know, you're supposed to protect against market manipulation, and you're just throwing it over to AI. So kind of silly. It's just, I, you know, that's, that's kind of the tact tactics that we see a lot of um, the people that are working in the SEC, especially Gary Gensler. He's kind of pushing things off in other sorts of directions, and it's just confusing. It's just absolutely kind of, I don't know, it's just confusing and silly. It definitely is silly, Jackie, and hopefully we can provide a little bit of clarity here as John Deaton went on to Fox Business to discuss the Ripple case, and guess what, guys? The SEC is coming after exchanges, and John Deaton seems to know that. We got 375 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you like John Deaton's XRP shirt, me too. And a lot of people think they will, given what happened with Sam Bankman Free, that it's, it's going to be hard for a judge to, to basically side on, on, you know, on, in crypto's favor. It doesn't have a, rip, a ripple effect from the industry in the sense that how does that make Coinbase? That means Coinbase. That means Binance all brokered unregistered securities. Aren't they kind of on the whole? It's going to be a Before John Deaton even gives his answer, Jackie, I'd love to go back to you. He's stating what we've all talked about for years now. If Let's just use XRP as an example. If Coinbase was selling an unregistered security XRP for several years on their platform, profiting off of that, that is 100% illegal in the SEC's jurisdiction. And I would expect the case to come down the line. Now, clearly Fox Business understands that. And John Deaton's going to give his response. So I guess I'll let it play and go right back to you, Jackie. Here we go. Huge precedential value if the SEC wins, because when you look at XRP, it was created in 2012. It was the, the third largest cryptocurrency in the world when the SEC sued Ripple. It was traded, Charlie Sherrill, for seven and a half years in the United States and around the world openly and fairly without any interaction from the SEC. And then the SEC comes in seven and a half years later after it was declared convertible virtual currency by the FinCEN, right, right, and declared by FSOC as virtual currency, right. by the Government Accountability Office as a, a virtual currency utilized in a decentralized platform. After all of that, the SEC comes well, out they still, after all those years. Okay, they still have a strong hand. If they win, that ripples throughout the end. And that's what I was getting at. If XRP is the security, they're going to win? No. 
I think the SEC is going to lose, but that doesn't mean Ripple's going to get an outright win. We'll play the remainder of that clip, but did you did you see what he was doing there? He used the word Ripple Effect twice. He used it in the beginning of the interview, and then he followed up with a second question using that same lines. And so, you know what it kind of reminds me of, Mario? It reminds me of those videos that people will play where all the newscasters around the planet are saying the exact same script. So do I think Ripple Effect was part of the script that Charles was given? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say yes, but I'm going to kick it to you, Mario, and then Jackie. How did you feel about these statements? Yeah, that's uh, super interesting. Uh, but I agree with what John Deaton said. You know, it goes back to what we were just discussing a moment ago, that we do believe that the SEC will ultimately have to take the win, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Ripple will lose. And and hopefully that's that's what happens, and, and that would be the best-case scenario for, for Ripple and XRP. But, you know, it's starting to – two years. It's been two years and three months or four months at this point. You know, it's been a long – uh, it's been a long case. And the people that have been here since the beginning, you know, I never imagined that it would take this long. You know, I thought it was going to be a thing of a matter of months. And I thought that I was going to buy in on that first big dump and then it was going to explode during the bull market. Well, here we are like two years and a bit later. And that hasn't quite turned out how it, uh, how I thought. But, you know, nonetheless, it's exciting because this is an emerging market. And just like any market, illicit activities can, can, can happen. You know, the, the next... The next greatest new market that comes comes out in the future will have illicit activities. Unfortunately, that's just the way the nature of people. And so, the focus of of Gary Gensler and and other um, other people in a position of power should be to regulate regulate in a way where they're not stifling the innovation. And unfortunately, the way that they're doing it, I cannot I cannot envision any of these companies wanting to stay in the United States. And so that's a problem. I can't also uh, understand how come other evolutioned uh, or other evolved, I should say, other evolved countries have determined that crypto is not a security. And so they've created regulation around what crypto is, but yet the United States continues to be confused about what, what crypto is. So yeah, these are exciting times. I'm, I'm super excited to see what happens within the next few months as far as the lawsuit. I'm super excited to see over the next few years as far as crypto. And, and yeah, I really like to, um, you know, Deaton, it's fact in case anytime he talks, anytime um, Garlinghouse talks, you know, I feel like these, these SEC authorities, you know, they, they kind of beat around the bush all the time. And then whenever you get Deaton or um, Garlinghouse on an interview, you know, they're fact in case spitting out everything you know, straightforward. He said seven and a half years, it was um, XRP was traded openly as a digital, um, digital currency. And so it's like, dude, what's, what's going on here? You know? Um, so it's, and it's just silly. It's just kind of ironic, you know, uh, sec, their main, their main goal is to protect against market manipulation. They allow seven and a half years for something to be openly traded on the market. And then they come in and decide to screw everyone over. Is that like not the, the epitome of manipulation? So it's just kind of silly. Um, I'm using silly all the time now. It's just, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I love Deaton. I love that, you know, he's just spitting out facts left and right. And, you know, uh, whenever we get on an interview with, with Gary Gensler or something, it's like, oh, AI, what? <laughs> Guys, and I do have some inside information here. We could have an SEC official coming on as a guest. And if you can put the dots together, we've talked about her on the show before, but that's in the works. Can't talk too much about it, Gonzo. I'd love to get some of your thoughts before I play the remainder of this video, because guys, he hasn't even said the most important thing yet. We talked about it in the show. Initial sales of XRP are the only thing that can fill out the Howie Prongs test. 
or sorry, the Howey tests all four prongs, meaning it would be an unregistered security. Well, John Deaton doesn't even think they can do that. So really quick before I play the remainder of this, what stuck out to you during this interview, Gonzo? Uh, you know, I saw this story yesterday, Abs, and it, uh, what I thought was funny is just like you were saying before, is the media, like how they, they don't seem to do their research and they take all the same talking points and they just kind of regurgitate them, right? You can tell that he hasn't done his research at all. And it's just that talking point that, you know, Ripple is going to lose. And I just don't think that's a fact. But I was reading in the chat, like some of the comments that, you know, okay, what if it does go to jury trial? And then this thing doesn't resolve till the summer or maybe even in the future. For me, you got to be prepared for anything. And if that does happen, then just have a plan, right? To me, it'll just be more time to accumulate. And if this thing goes to the Supreme Court, um, it's likely that the Supreme Court is going to rule in the favor of Ripple and then we'll be done, right? They'll never be able to mess with it again. And it'll make actual case law for any of the other companies that come behind it. So it won't be a bad thing, but you know, we just have to be patient. It's been like Mario saying two years, make sure you have a plan, right? And if let's say they lose and the price crashes and you want a dollar cost average, cause that's what I'll be doing. And then we get secondary sales or whether it goes on to a jury trial, like just make sure that, that you have some type of plan um, and that, you know, you don't get impatient because for me, all you're going to get is more time to accumulate. Cause I do believe that in the end, they're going to win. I had the same fears earlier, early on when I got into this market that every time XRP pumped in price, I was afraid that it was the moment of truth and my bags weren't going to be big enough. But guys, I can tell you that is a clear misconception in this market. Unless we get some massive, massive news around the lawsuit, we're going to continue trading in these ranges. But we got 399 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out the latest update from John Deaton because for our XRP holders, this is great news. I think the SEC is going to lose, but that doesn't mean Ripple's going to get an outright win either. But I think the SEC is going to lose at summary judgment because of the theory that they went with. Charlie, normally when you go after a promoter, you say, well, on this particular day, you made an unregistered securities offering or sell. And that particular transaction was a security investment contract. And now they're saying that all sales of XRP, the token yeah. itself is a security. This is why all eyes are on this case the way, and why Twitter blows up every time you come on. I, the show. I, just, I, just I, out, guys. Shout out to John D. And he is the man within the XRP community. And Gonzo, you're at the top of my screen. So I'm going to kick it right back to you. What did you think about those overall statements? And then we'll just hear from the other members of the group. I don't want to give my take yet. Yeah, you know, it, it's very common sense. Like uh, at the end, you know, we think Ripple's going to win, but we, I, I think what's most reasonable. And, and, I, and I, we talked about this, I think, the last time we was on. When you see what Judge Torres has been saying and the way what she took away from the SEC, to me, it feels like she's telegraphing to them to like, hey, you know what? You should settle because you're about to get a loss, right? And so, like he says, um, if we get a settlement and Ripple gets and, – and Brett Gollings has already said he's willing to settle, but they want everything that they want. And the SEC is better off on settling with them so they don't take the outright L, right? And so, but like we said, time and time again, regardless of what happens, as long as secondary sales are not a security, we're all good for where we stand. That abs, the question that you were um, asking, 
um, in regards to the exchanges, right? Coinbase, all of these exchanges were selling XRP. Um, so it's like it's like it it keeps kicking the can backwards. Where where when do you draw the line of of holding people accountable, right? And so I feel like because that's such a hefty play on their part, um, you know, maybe everyone's just gonna have to pay a fine and and everyone will be moved on their way but that's that is the thing that i keep coming back to if you if you judge this in the ruling of the sec then you have to hold all of these exchanges accountable then if you hold all of these exchanges accountable you know um where it comes into the play of bringing in the the new financial system bringing about the new banking system things like that like all of these things are are in place to become banks to custody cryptocurrency and and they they need to utilize that type of technology the railing system right so it's like you can't cut these things out completely so that's kind of the thing that i go back to um why i believe it will just kind of end in in settlement purposes not just for ripple but also for you know these other um these other exchanges other banks that banks come to be um that will you know, eventually be held accountable as well. Like there has to be, there has to be a line drawn at that point. Absolutely. And Mario, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Have you ever seen a company being sued by the SEC advertise more than Ripple? We had their advertisements in New York, then they were in London. Now they're back in the United States as the latest advertisement is rolling out in Washington, D.C. And this is one of the people we like to communicate with on Twitter, Ido Farina. And he's a good fan of Coach JV, so I want to give a shout out to him right there. Great guy. Go follow his account. Mario, what do you think about this, this news here? Ripple is under uh, the SEC scrutiny, but they're publishing and promoting themselves in the USA. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's been business as usual just for, for Ripple since the beginning. You know, they continue to uh, make partnerships. And I know that they've lost a couple since the, 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 the lawsuit, a couple of major ones like like MoneyGram. But nonetheless, they've continued to uh, acquire new partners and, and expand the corridors. And it's been business as usual. And if there's a company that can fight this against the SEC, we know that it's Ripple. We know that they're prepared to fight this all the way to the end because Brad Garlinghouse has already stated they want to win. They're not in this to to settle. They're not in this to uh, you know to to lose, obviously. But they want to win. They want to take make create uh, a, a ruling where it 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 helps the entire crypto space. And so that's what I'm excited for. Thank you, Mario. And we're gonna play this interesting video with Jerome Powell before we discuss what is happening April 14th and April 15th. Any of our warriors already know, but I'm looking forward to having that and having that discussion. But before we do that, Jerome Powell talking about cryptocurrencies and CBDCs. Here we go. We're watching what's been happening in, in the crypto space. And, you know, what we see is, you know, quite a lot of turmoil. We see fraud. We see a lack of transparency. We see run risk, lots and lots of things like that. And so what we've been doing is is making sure that the, that the um, regulated financial institutions that we supervise and regulate are careful, are taking great care in the ways that they engage with the uh, you know, with the whole crypto space. A couple of big words stuck out to me there. He may not have used the word nefarious, but turmoil and dangerous activity happening in the crypto space. It's the painting the exact same picture. Retail investors stay away until we have our CBDC. That is so much better. So Mario, I'd like to get some thoughts from you and then we'll continue. How do you feel about Jerome Powell putting CBDC discussion at the forefront while he's speaking in front of Congress? Yeah, well, I think turmoil happening in the governments, but you know, what's, what's his point? You know, it, it's like, it's like what I was saying before, illicit activities happen in all markets. There's bad actors everywhere you turn, unfortunately, and that's just nature. So, uh, 
the best thing they can do is, is try to improve the market, try to make it so that that is less least like less uh, likely to happen by by having good frameworks in place. And the problem here is the fact that the U.S. is stalling. And the more that this drags on for, obviously, the, the more it opens the door for, for these type of things to be able to happen. Because although the SEC is supposed to be protecting investors, we know that they've not really done a good job. They keep going after the wrong people. They keep going after the wrong companies. Um, and they just need to be focusing on uh, the framework, essentially. And, you know, as far as Jerome Powell, you know, we've already touched on the CBDC conversation earlier in the episode. But, yes, yeah, CBDCs are coming. And it's, there's nothing we can do to stop that train. Absolutely, Mario. And check out this awesome list we found on Twitter. As if you have over $1,000 in XRP, that means you are one of the top 500,000 accounts on the planet. And just to show you how important these details are, you have a better chance with 7 billion people of winning the lottery three times than holding XRP right now. So it just goes to show how early we are in this asset class. And Jackie, I just want to break down some of these numbers. To be in the top 1% of XRP holders, you need about 45,000. But if you have over 120,000 XRP, that puts you in the top half of a percent. Those numbers may seem big to everybody else out there. So let's drop down to the 10% number. If you have over 3,000 XRP in your account, you are one of the top 10% accounts on the planet. When we talk about creating generational wealth for your family, it's these types of unique opportunities that provide the opportunity. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Jackie, and then we'll continue. That's exciting. Um... Yeah, it's kind of like a broad statement, actually. So I'll, I'll narrow it down. What do you think? Is this truly like a lottery win opportunity? Or are these numbers kind of elaborated? Obviously, XRP is trading at 39 cents today, and we're waiting for $589. So we got quite a long way to go. What do you think about only 10,000? Or sorry, what do you think about 10,000 XRP putting you in the top 5% of accounts worldwide? Yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. 10,000 XRP, um, we're currently trading at 40 cents. Wait, let me let me just do some quick math on my calculator right right now. Ten thousand. It's on the screen though. Oh, I'm math. so sorry. That's actually <laughs> really. Oh, that's based four thousand. Yeah, be four thousand. It's based upon it being forty cents though. Oh, I thought this was based off of a different number. Okay. Yeah, this is based um, off thirty nine point eight cents. Just to be clear. Thirty nine point eight cents. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, this kind of confuses me though, just because. Um, well, maybe not, maybe not, you know, maybe it is much more difficult for, I mean, that actually might make sense. It is probably more difficult for the average person to afford that much just based upon the cost of living at this time and how uh, inflation has skyrocketed everything over the past, you know, months, but um, kind of touching back on, on what we were talking about earlier um, that you had kicked it over to Mario talking about, you know, the fed talking about CBDCs. I love, I actually kind of love um, when they bring that up. I know a lot of people are like, what, what do you mean? You love talking about CBDCs. And this is why just the connections that we have been making on this show over the past couple of weeks, um, you know, the fed continues to talk about CBDCs. We know um, even from, you know, Garling House's um statements earlier that we saw on that uh twitter twitter um post that you had shown that you know we are we are far behind uh, a lot of con uh, countries japan singapore you know he he listed off a couple of them um so whenever they bring up cbdc's we know that uni the united states is so far behind you know it only kind of makes sense that they would utilize um a technology that's already kind of out instead of you know kind of go forth about on their own will. So I really think, you know, that gives me a lot of confidence that they are going to um, utilize a lot of 
um, technologies that Ripple's using. I know they keep hinting at going offshores and things like that. They're already offshore. But I don't know. That just gives me extreme confidence in Ripple. But also, you know, a lot of the other um, plays that we have been making and, and talking about on this show. So um, just kind of making those types of connections. Um, whenever the government talks about CBDCs, you know, we know where we're sitting at right now within the United States. Um, it just gives me a little more confidence. It doesn't actually, you know, cause fear. So that's kind of a way to look at it if you're an average investor like me. That's really interesting. It's a good perspective, Jackie. And another thing we can show our listeners that's just as, if not more exciting, you're going to get a chance to come and hang out with not only our entire team, but our fearless leader, Coach JV, on April 14th and April 15th in Mesa, Arizona. This is a VIP event, and I believe it's already been offered to people within the academy, but the tickets are flying off the shelves. And guys, I wanted to present it here on Good Morning Crypto. You are able to go to Coach JV's Twitter account and click on the link get access to this VIP conference. It's going to be in person. And the past two that we've had have been legitimately life-changing. That's where I initially met Johnny Crypto. That's where we came out with a lot of the ideas that we implemented in our company today. And it's also where I met my good friend, Mario. But Mario, there is a video I wanted to show you about Squawk Box claiming that the SEC is not going to allow a Bitcoin ETF to come into America. We're going to let this short clip play, my friend. Here we go. You know what the lawsuit argues that if you had reduced your fees and stopped, and, and it was the same that, that you weren't even allowed, that it violated the trust agreement uh, with FTX, and uh, the, the FTX debtor shares would be worth 90% more than the current value if if you hadn't violated the provisions of the trust. Our, our fees have been consistent throughout time, right? And so these are these are you know things that are disclosed it's to every investor. For people who can't get their like whose money is just sitting there. That's why it still trades at a 42% discount in that asset. So what they're calling them out for here is that Grayscale offers what's called a GBTC trust, which converts their Bitcoin I don't even really understand why this is beneficial, Mario. Maybe you can explain why this is even necessary. But anybody who invested in this product is now buying Bitcoin at a 40% loss. And all of their money is locked up, but they're being charged additional fees to take it out. It's a whole mess going on behind the scenes. And Gary Gensler, if there's anything that you could come in and prevent or try to fix, this would be one of those case scenarios. So Mario, I'd like to get some thoughts from you. What does it mean that Grayscale is, is just messing around in this market because of the lack of regulation? I think so. I agree with you. I think that the these vehicles, in my opinion, are kind of, they go against the principle of crypto, of being decentralized. I mean, why would you buy one of these vehicles or one of these, invest into one of these trusts if you could hold the actual Bitcoin and be uh, the actual owner and self-custody that crypto, uh, that Bitcoin? Again, it's, it's, the problem is people are so used to centralization. You know, people are used to having something, somebody or, or an entity custody their assets, whether that be their money uh, or, you know, anything else, any other commodity. And they completely don't see that part of crypto. And I, I, I don't really agree with that too much. But uh, nonetheless, I know there was another part to your question, but I got so wound up with that, with answering that, that I forgot. Was there another part to your question, Abs? That's okay. I actually want to follow it up with this. We can kick it to Jackie right here. Approximately 40,000 Bitcoin from wallets associated with the U.S. government are on the move. 40,000 Bitcoin, that is so much money. Of these, the majority appear to be internal transfers. However, almost 10,000 of the Bitcoin seized have been transferred to Coinbase cluster. What does that mean? We could potentially see a lot of these tokens dumped on the market and put into the president's pocket. But Jack, I'd like to get some of your thoughts. As many times as mainstream media and the US government have criticized Bitcoin, we can see it right in front of our eyes. Whether they seized it illegally or not, the government has 40 
thousand Bitcoin. That is a huge number. I'd like to hear what that means to you. What just broadly, I don't even really have a question. What does it mean that the United States government is looking to dump these 10,000 while holding on to the remaining 30? Now I see why Billy hates Bitcoin so much. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it's not really a shock to me. The government is, you know, their hands is, their hands are in everything. So it's not really a, a surprise to me. Um, this is interesting though. I love these types of analytics. Um, this is something that we actually offer within the Academy as well. So uh, we do a call Monday, Wednesday, Friday, talking about um, on-chain analytics and things like that. So we can actually see uh, and track the movement of of Bitcoin, we can't see exactly where, but of big wallets like this, uh, prime example, this is something, oh yeah, from Glassnode, that's exactly what we look at. So yeah, we look at these types of things and help help our own members, our, our warriors make decisions and investments based off of this. So, but it's not financial advice. Never is, Jackie. It never is. And we got 344 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm going to give two rapid fire updates because we only got a couple of minutes left. The first one is that Ripple partner AstroPay, the online payment solution for millions around the world, is delighted to announce a new launch of a co-branded debit card. So what does this mean? A Ripple partner is now working with Visa to launch a co-branded debit card. So pretty exciting news. But this is the video I wanted to close out the episode with as Mike Novengratz is discussing the ongoing battle between the SEC and the CFTC and how many of these discussions that are happening in the public really aren't relevant. So we're going to let this short clip play and go to the group. Here we go. It'll, it'll burn for you in the fast What about the fight between the CFTC and the SEC? Because that needs to get resolved for everybody, right? I mean, yeah, I think that's that's on hold for a while. They're both like, we never said that, by the way. You know, uh, they, they were both very, very close with Sam. Uh, and again, you know, a lot of people were, and a lot of people got snookered. Uh, but Sam was was negotiating to pretty much have dominance of a cash exchange that the CFTC regulates. Uh, and, you know, the SEC was going to bless that as long as they got to do, you know, non-Bitcoin and Ether. And, and so there was this negotiation going on that was this close to getting done. And so I think they're both just trying to stay as far away from it as possible and be as tough as they can right now. How convenient is it, Jackie, that the man who was promoted as the savior for crypto, I remember when Sam Bankman-Fried was being promoted as like a Jeff Bezos. Look at him. He drives a crappy car, even though he's got $10 billion. Those are the guys I worry about. The guys who are able to generate billions of dollars for themselves, yet claim they don't care about income. There's just something misleading about it. It's like somebody who posts on social media every day and says, well, I don't care about social media, but you're on it every day. So you must care at least in some way, shape or form. And I think that's what's going on here. Gary Gensler hinted at it earlier. They don't care who leaves the United States. They have a clear agenda playing out. And I'd like to get your thoughts on Mike Novengratz's statements. What does that mean to you? Um, I was actually more focused on the word snookered. I didn't know that that was a word. So I was looking up the definition of that. No, <laughs> no but um, I kind of, yeah, I I was a little distracted, Abs, I'll be honest. <laughs> That's okay. We'll kick it to Mario here, Mario. We got about 30 seconds left, and I want to get your thoughts on this. They're distancing themselves from the FTX situation for good reason. Whether it's Gary Gensler or the CFTC, they were all working together and promoting this guy as a savior for crypto. Little did we know he'd be the fallen angel that brings in regulation and saves the big banks from not being able to enter this market. So pretty cool there. I'd like to just close it out. Yeah, look, I think there's definitely a fight for power and influence. And clarity is only going to come whenever that power and influence gets decided. And so, you know, they continue to push back. 
and this is going to go for as long as they want it to. The moment that they decide that, oh, this is how we're going to do it, then it's going to be kind of too late for investors. But, you know, this is still, as we spoke about yesterday on the show, and it's been spoken about many other episodes, we are still super early. And that's the moment that um, that I'm super grateful for is just being here early in this market and having the opportunity to invest in these uh, in these assets. And as far as that XRP chart, what I do see is I see the people that are willing to take the risk and that people those people that are willing to take the risk could get the higher reward or the, the, the high reward. And that's why those percentages are are so so appealing. Thank you, Mario. And we're going to close this show out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Jackie. Thank you to Mario. Thank you to Super G and the ghost himself, Johnny Crypto. We got 325 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get shit together, baby. Thank you for joining.